Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, we're talking with Aruba, a Hewlett Packard Enterprise company, about the evolution of Wi-Fi standards over the next couple of years. In particular, Wi-Fi 6, that's the current standard, and there's recent extensions that led to Wi-Fi 6E with a number of practical enhancements. Our guest today is Chuck Lukashevsky. He is VP and wireless CTO at Aruba. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. So first, start us off for folks who aren't entirely sure what the difference is between Wi-Fi 6 and 6E because they sort of ran up against each other. What's going on with Wi-Fi 6E? What's different? Uh, great question. So the short answer is that uh, it's the same technology. Uh, the difference is the, the frequency bands that are supported. So the easiest way to think about Wi-Fi 6E is that it's Wi-Fi 6 for the 6 gigahertz band. And that E stands for extended as in extended spectrum. So it's the exact same uh, IEEE standard. Uh, it's it's just been uh, made, you know, it's been given access to 6 gigahertz. Now that 6 gigahertz has been the result of a lot of uh, politics because Spectrum allocation is something that governments handle, and the IEEE and various Wi-Fi standards bodies have actually been working with governments around the world to get spectrum allocated. And it's different in the US than it is from just about everywhere else in the world. There's a lot of countries in the world yet to allocate 6 gigahertz. So it's not, it is a, it is an evolving space still, the 6E, to some extent. Yes, that, that that's correct. So the you know the the work is not done, but we've made amazing progress mm. in in really unprecedented time. Uh, if you th- if you consider the amount of spectrum that is being allocated, uh, or at least under consideration, as you say, by some by mm. some governments, you know, one point two gigahertz of spectrum is is the you know the largest allocation of midband spectrum that's ever been made. Mm. And mm. the um, uh, you know, where we sit right now is about fifty countries have have uh, you know opened the band uh, formally. Mm. Another you know about forty are at some stage of a regulatory process, but that leaves us with another hundred to go. Right? Yeah. And yeah. as you say, the 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 rule environment varies a bit from country to country. So just as a good example of that. Uh, in the in the Americas, um, you know, we've had about ten countries that have um, uh, voted to open the entire twelve hundred megahertz of the band. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Europe, the European Union uh, and and the sort of affiliated uh, ECC countries um, have decided to just begin with the uh, the lower five hundred megahertz of the band. Uh, although it's it is also the case that there's just uh, if you haven't heard there's 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 a brand new um, EC mandate to now begin the technical studies on the upper 700 megahertz. So okay. we've got many years of harmonization ahead of us. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a pathway to harmonization which is really yes. useful, right? So the EU wasn't comfortable with allocating the whole 1.2 gigahertz or 1200 megahertz, if you like, um, and they think they gave about 700, and you're now saying there's a, they're sort of moving towards allocating that as well. Yeah, well, I'm saying there are there are technical studies, which is mm. a precondition to uh, right, you know yeah. any sort of assignment, um, mm. and and folks that you know this starts to get in the you know policy weeds a little bit. But uh, the other fo- thing that folks should you know that the track this should you know be aware of is there's a thing that happens called the World Radio Conference every three or four years. The next one is in 2023, and this is the uh, this 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 happens sort of under the United Nations auspices. It's a it's a treaty based meeting, and the outcome, the decisions at that conference are then uh, effectuated as in national law. So, um, one of the outcomes of the last WRC was that uh, different regions uh, took an action to actually study part of this band mm-hmm. for potential use by cellular. So there's. There is another sort of a, a, a fight going on, if you will, uh, at that level um, it, between several different incumbents. We could do a whole podcast on this, but 
you know, to make a long story short, you know, again, we've got we've got quite a lot of work to do. And it just takes time too, because getting international bodies to line up and getting many yes. governments to line up. And but I think that the takeaway that I got from what you said was that this would align over time. So there's there's Correct. even though the US has led the way with allocating twelve hundred megahertz in the in the six gigahertz spectrum, which is a phenomenal amount of space. But also that spectrum is not really useful for much else, to be fair. For Wi-Fi, it's almost perfect. Um, and for, for consumer electronics and a range of stuff like that. I guess uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask is how quickly has the take-up been of Wi-Fi 6 and 6E in particular? Because quite often we see the new standards take a little while to get going. Are they? Is the take-up good? Yeah, the take-up has been great. Basically, the rule is every new generation of Wi-Fi, um, and in this case, you know, 6E would be newer than 6, and 6 mm. was newer than 5, and so on. Each new generation of Wi-Fi has sold faster than the one before it, and certainly, mm. at least that's that's Aruba's experience. And you know, I, I think if you look at the broad market research, uh, you'll see that as well. And and certainly, that's been uh, you know our experience since we you know we we announced the the first product. I think for many enterprise vendor uh, in the middle of last year, early last summer. Yeah. So we've been shipping in volume since 2021. Right. Have you run into issues either because of COVID or supply chain in terms of Wi-Fi adoption with folks not even in the office? No, actually, it's it's it, well. It, so it's you. You asked sort of two questions there. So um, you asked an adoption question and a and a, and a constraint and a supply question. chain. So, yes, yes. Yeah. So let me so let me take the adoption question first. So so um, with respect to people uh, deploying, the answer is no. And I, I think you know we've we've seen, if anything, we've seen companies. You know, maybe their investment strategies on the IT front have have adjusted. Right. So they're they're putting more money into work from home types of environments. But uh, clearly, the office is coming back, and and many of our customers have used this time to, you know, do long, you know, postponed upgrades. Uh, mm. You know, if you think about uh, universities, for example, this has been a great time to actually go and do, you know, IT infrastructure refreshes that have been, you know, on the to do list for a long time, and there was just not the time to get to it. On the supply side, you know, I think that's probably a, a, a manufacturer by manufacturer question. You know, what I can tell you is, is you know, that's we're not hearing that from from the from the analysts that we we respect in the marketplace, and specifically with respect to Aruba. And I, I would imagine that the, the the larger enterprise companies, you know, that all have you know very experienced folks in their in our you know, procurement and supply organizations. Mm. You know, we we sign contracts for parts. A long time ago, um, yeah. You know, the you lead to- time is long on this stuff. You find it's the same with iPhones, is which is the story I often tell, and it applies equally to IT infrastructure. That supply contract was signed two years ago, quite often. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're not. I mean, it's we could sell more for sure. <laughs> uh, the demand is that great, but mm. uh, yeah, but we're we're shipping in volume, um, and and for us, it's it's taking off. You know, as I said, faster than even the Wi-Fi 6 takeoff, which was a, a pretty impressive ramp. Okay. Now that's interesting because there were significant differences between Wi-Fi 5 and Wi-Fi 6 that I could see a huge appetite for 6. What do you think is driving 6E? Is it just that additional spectrum? So, you know, that is one of the major drivers for sure, uh, at least from a 6E perspective, right? But for, for Wi-Fi 6, you know, we, we introduced our first product uh, over three years ago and it's, you know, you it, it had the same type of, of, of a ramp profile. You know, I think you know it. the 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 hero feature of of Wi-Fi six was OFDMA, mm-hmm. uh, among others, and 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 true support for 160 megahertz channels. We had 160s um, mm. 
you know, kind of before in a, in a, um, not really a deployable way. So, you know, we got, you know, to the extent that that was important to certain customers, that would be another driver for it. But, um, you know, it's, you know, fundamentally, I think it's about the multi-user technologies that are in Wi-Fi 6. And the multi-user technologies in Wi-Fi 6 split multiple dimensions. What it means is the ability of the ASICs inside to actually handle multiple users better. So it's actually able Correct. to stream data and it's actually able to allocate spectrum intelligently or directionally towards where the users go. If the users are in a 360 degree space around the antenna, then it knows to allocate this group of spectrums to the one in the you know northeast and this group of spectrums to the ones in the southwest so that more spectrum is available. That That's a very loose description of, of how it works, right? Yeah, that's a, in the spatial domain. That's mm. that's right. So you're you're talking about multi-user MIMO, and mm. you know what we got with Wi-Fi six is bi-directional multi-user MIMO, right? Mm. Uh, Wi-Fi five had a downlink only, but we also have time domain and frequency domain uh, multi-user here in the form of of what's called uh, OFDMA or mm. you know orthogonal frequency division multiplexing, and and that's this is the same technology that the the LTE you know the four G five G systems use to be able to address multiple different devices at the same time. And, and um, you know, so you may say, okay, what's the difference between multi-user MIMO and OFDMA? Uh, the answer uh, is, is, uh, is quite simple. So OFD, you think OFDMA for short packets, right? So things mm. like voice and control signaling, mm. um, because we're subdividing a channel into lots of little parts. And then multi-user MIMO is for big packets. So think, you know, uh, video downloads yeah. or, you know, big file downloads. Printing. <laughs> printing exactly people forget yeah. how valuable printing is i mean just because a lot of us don't use it but printing has actually been one of the killers of campus bandwidth for for decades so i, I guess this gets me into a question we've seen people talking about wi-fi 7 lately and i'm a mm -hmm. bit gun show in this because i've looked at the specs on wi-fi 7 and there's really not a whole lot of enhancements in there it kind of looks like somebody's trying to stuff the stuff the stocking and push the future, you know, bring the future in here. Is that a fit? Would you agree with that, or would you have a take on that? Yeah, I definitely have a take. And and uh, you know, I published a blog recently on this that um, you know, we might want to you know put a link to here for the podcast. Mm. Um, the title of the blog is my answer to your question, which is the um, you know the reports of Wi-Fi 7's birth have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> uh, you know, Wi-Fi 7 is you know first of all it's 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 still early in the standards process. IEEE has not even finalized everything that's going into it yet. <laughs> so yeah. to be to be talking about shipping it, uh, you know, or much less, you know, uh, holding off on buying something that is available today that's that has, you know, really powerful impact, you know, to wait for this thing that is around the corner uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, not this time, right? There there was a time, like, if you were doing certain things, waiting for Wi-Fi 5 was smart. And if you had have gotten there with Wi-Fi 6, but when I look at the specifications for Wi-Fi 7 today, it's two years until the standard is complete. If, if, and it's a very big if, if the standard gets completed on time, which in the IEEE is rare. And even if you do, nothing significantly changes, right? In theory, the frequency bands remain the same because there's no new spectrum being allocated to Wi-Fi. The security protocol remains the same. There is a higher channel bandwidth, but that's a pretty niche use case. I mean, who needs 10 gigabit Ethernet, like 320 megahertz channels? <laughs> um, that's niche because you, even if you're going to use those types of things, you still need to be within, what, five meters of a Wi-Fi AP to make that work? 
Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. So so I I would just say before we go to the features, mm. I would just say that I, I do think it's going to get delivered on time, mm. uh, even if it's you know even if IEEE isn't hasn't ratified it yet. Um, you know that's never stopped you know the consumer companies in the past from shipping an, an earlier draft. You know once kind of the hardware is baked and they can mm. you know they can patch anything they need to in software. So I do think that we'll see consumer APs towards the end of next next year. Mm. But you know to your point about Okay, is you know what's the what's the benefit or what's the value? The the soundbite I would give you just to sort of the meta point, and we can come back and repeat it later. Mm-hmm. But essentially, from an enterprise point of view, you can get a hundred percent of the gain in Wi-Fi seven right now with Wi-Fi six E. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because the as you, to your to your point, the 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 quote unquote hero features of Wi-Fi seven are are not likely to be useful. Um, and and may never be implemented. If you think about 16 spatial streams, for example, that's you're never going to see a 16 spatial stream access point in the enterprise for the simple reason that we, you know, there the power over Ethernet budget required to support that device. Mm. It doesn't exist at the access layer, right? Huh. Um, so it's it's not something you know that 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 you're going to see. But six gigahertz, as we've talked about, is is here. There's niche use cases that it addresses. Right. It's like saying I need 10 gig to the desktop. Well, no, most people are perfectly happy with one gig to the desktop. But there is a handful of users who certainly would want 10 gig to the desktop. And so we need to support it. But we don't like you don't want to wait for 10 gig to arrive to get that, you know, in the wide space. Is that is that metaphor valid? Well, remember, you can I'm not I'm not so sure. I mean, you can you can get to almost five gigabits per second over the air today mm. with if, if you do if you do 160 megahertz channel in in the six gigahertz band with a four by four client, four by four AP, which, you know, there are mm. four by four clients, you can easily you can show, uh, you know, three to four gigabits per second over the air. Now, it's not 10. So if you need 10, yeah, we're not there yet. But you know that that is that is a massive amount of of um, mm. you know simultaneous uh, throughput. So I you know I think I think it's you're not going to be running that on 60... a battery either. So that's not going to work on a smartphone Correct. or a tablet or even a laptop for very long because you're going to be pushing so much RF out that it's going to be a significant drain on like six, eight eight channels of MIMO bidirectionally transferring data. Sounds great until you realize it's probably draining your battery at a substantial rate. yeah that's yeah that's a fair point and and of course if you're doing it on the desktop well then you know it would potentially be more effective to just yeah yeah so you know i the the other thing i would point out just if we again not to get too far in the technical weeds so let's just kind of up level the conversation you know we we have reached it's interesting you mentioned 10 gigabits right because you know we we've we've seen this movie before Mm -hmm. you know about 20 years ago when you know 10 gigabit ethernet was ratified and you know, the enterprise collectively decided they didn't need it, right, Mm. from an access layer perspective. And I think we are very much at that same place now with with Wi-Fi, which of course is an access layer technology. It is more than fast enough. And the things that my customers ask me about when I meet with them, I mean, we, 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 the, the speeds and feeds, if you will, have not been a serious topic of competitive conversation for at least three years or so, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly in the Wi-Fi six timeframe, um, and you know, it's all about the, you know the the quality of our cloud system, the types of value-added services we're delivering, yeah. um, you know, machine learning, ClearPass, 
you know, network access control, micro segmentation. How do I get my printers on the network, but isolate them from my IoT? Those are the big issues now, not so much the the actual exactly. appliances and, in the ceiling. And it's it's other radios, ironically, right? So we we you know the original BLE, and we were the first vendor to put Bluetooth in an access point back in 2013. That was Bluetooth mm. four, right? So now we have Bluetooth five. Right there's Zigbee. We're plugging an amazing range of of third party devices into the USB ports mm. um, on all of our APs. We're doing everything from gunshot detection to air quality monitoring to actually plugging in. Oh, oh, oh! Other I know what I wanted to radios. ask you and interrupt yeah, you ahead. because I wanted to quickly talk to you about Open Locate. You announced Open Locate at Aruba Atmosphere last week. We did, and that yep. is this GPS location of the access point. That is super exciting. Yep. Now, that's going to be a part of all the existing access points that are out there now for Aruba? Uh, it, it's in all the, the GNS G, GPS receiver is in all the 6E APs. So that's our mm. AP600 family, mm. uh, both the platforms we've announced as well as uh, platforms that uh, are on the way. Mm. Um, but GPS alone doesn't solve that problem. So what we announced last week is actually the, we've integrated two technologies. So GPS on the one hand, and then um, there's a second technology called Wi-Fi certified location, which some of your listeners may know as, as uh, fine timing measurement FTM or oh. 802.11MC was the standard for it. And this is a super precise ranging technology that doesn't use signal strength. And you can get, you can get down to a, a one to two meters of range um, because it's based on time of flight. So we've combined those two technologies together to basically be able to locate almost at, you know any AP in a building. And then in turn, clients that support FTM will be able to talk to our APs to help them locate themselves. So I not only can I locate the APs, but potentially even the clients, handsets and so forth that support this mechanism Correct. can be geolocated. So we're heading into the space where the use case that I was always um, given years and years ago was safety. So if a person has a, a device on them and they need to know exactly where they were. Maybe they're remote working alone and for health and safety reasons, you want to know exactly where they are. So if they hit the emergency button, you can go right to them. And right. that includes not just, you know, where they are on a two-dimensional plane, but up or down because you might be climbing a, a, a tower or, you know, in a factory on the fifth level of a, of a particular plant and you need to know where you are up as well as horizontally. And, and this is heading in that direction. Yes, it, yes, it very much is, and and you know you can in, sort of in that spirit you can also regard this as you know our our long term objective is to enable Wi Fi calling to be on by default on any kind of mobile device, mm. right? And and of course the reason it's not and you know is that you have to put in your nine one one address in case you need to make that call, and you know so it's gonna but it's gonna take time to you know this capability has got to be very pervasive in the market and 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 it that means it also can't just be Aruba that ultimately delivers it. It's got to yeah. be something that regulators can 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 count on so there could be in a situation where the AP signals to your handset, I know exactly where I am, therefore you can enable your emergency calling one 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 or nine one one depending on the country they were o o o whatever country you're in, and you would then be able to call have emergency calling inside of a building. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, cor correct. But we also see a lot of other use cases. I mean, you, if you if you think about, I mean, the, so many of us with you know, carry smartphones, right? We we use location almost every day, multiple times, and we don't even think about it anymore. And mm. so I, I don't. I'm not talking about you know Apple Maps or Google Maps. I mean, think about you know when I when I leave the house, right? My thermostats know that I'm not here anymore. 
right? And and so they go, you know, they they turn off the the air conditioning, and you know, we use things like Uber and and what have you. So there's location in, in you know, app, mobile app developers have have come to um, you know, just incorporate location into their workflows, right? Because it's dependable. And imagine a world where that that is true indoors as well. In fact, there's no distinction anymore between whether you're indoors or outdoors. It just works. And so you could you could book your Uber from the gate, right? When you arrive at an airport, you don't even have to, you know, get all Connect the way to, to the, the 4G, curb. 5G network. You straight up out of Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. So, and then you know, from a security perspective, we have customers that have long been interested in incorporating location as as one of the factors in a multi-factor authentication mm-hmm. uh you know regime and you know the if if you if you had location in a very accurate way you could start to do that so the sky is really the limit um mm. that you know we're, we're that we we think we can open up with this once it's there it's, it's a feature that we can have and that and that's available now you don't need to wait two years for four years for that to come out that's something that's in the aruba product now and hopefully other vendors will start to work with you to turn this into a universal standard across the industry. Yeah. So, so yeah. And just to clarify, so the, the, the GPS hardware we've been shipping since last year in all the 6E platforms. So that's, mm. um, and, and that was really why we, we made the announcement last week at Atmosphere is we want customers to be aware of that. So as they're considering their 6E, you know, whether or not to, to upgrade to 6E and, and, you know, making a selection between vendors, we want them to be aware that that's in there. Um, we haven't yet announced the actual software availability for this, but uh, you know, I can tell you that it's it, it's it's not it, it's definitely not too far away. Uh, so uh, you know the 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 intention is to have it. Uh, you know the software will catch up with the hardware here in a few quarters. Well, Chuck, we're out of time, but thank you. You've given us a lot to think about, a lot, uh, and I think we may have to have you back to talk more about location capabilities at another time, so we can go into uh, even more detail. But uh, sure. thank you, Chuck, for being with us. Thanks to Aruba for being a sponsor. If you want to find out more about their 6E products, just go to arubanetworks.com. Uh, and thank you for listening. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn. Listen to us on Spotify and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, from Remember that too much networking would never be enough.